How do you guys like our uh, our building? This is actually now we've done about five conferences here in several schools, and we've we've met here, renting it from the vineyard for the last two years. In two years, we've rented this from them for a Thursday night meeting, and then once in a while for a conference or our advanced prophetic institute encounters, uh, some other things, intimacy classes that we've done. We've also done those in our home and a couple other venues, but we have by and large been mostly house church. And so this is our first building that we have signed a lease. We have signed a lease on this. And uh, uh, you guys like the foyer out there, the lobby, you come in. That's going to, right at the end down here, there will be, we're going to build a a coffee bar there and turn it into a coffee house and with Wi-Fi and all of that. And it's going to be a gathering place, and it'll be open to the general public. How many, anybody want to agree with us that we're going to see all kinds of amazing things happen in that coffee house? And, uh, and then uh, we, um, uh, we're very business-minded, and uh, we do business conferences and seminars. And so, thank you. I was just told I'm showing my (laughs) roly-poly. Got a little hangover there. (laughs) We're all people, aren't we? (laughs) Some of us are more people than other people. (laughs) Anyhow, um, um, in the... Uh, uh, putting a coffee house out there, and it, it'll be a um, it'll be it'll be very much run as a business. There will be employment. There's going to be professionals help us put it together that know how to really uh, build coffee houses. Um, my son in the Lord, Jay Chung, is here. Would you stand up, Jay? I'm I'm embarrassing him. He has a coffee company that I believe is going to really rock the whole planet. The name of it is So Do I. So Do I. You like that? Isn't that a cool name? So Do I. I like that. And uh, he's shared with us for a year or so about things like this and how it can happen. And so um, as everything we do in business, we do business with excellence and do it according to the book. And um, you can be led by the Spirit if you follow business principles. But if you veer from them, uh, you probably will fail. Because business is based on a very absolute. How many of you know that businesses have to be down to the penny? You realize that in everything you do? Down, your bookkeeping, everything has to be exact. Why? Well, first and foremost, because the first fruits always belongs to the Lord. How many believe the first fruits belongs to the Lord? Some people call it tithe. I call it, I call it giving God a high double five, ten. <laughs> Two fives, ten. And, and uh, doing it in joy and doing it in love. We, get, we do not speak on money issues with the terms curse involved. 
uh, even in tithes and offerings, if you don't bring your tithe, you're cursed with a curse. I do not believe that. I don't teach that, and I won't teach it. Because Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for it. Isn't that true? And if you have to be uh, uh, in the tithe, if you have to pay the tithe or you're cursed with a curse, then you have to go get circumcised. And you have to keep the Sabbath. And you have to keep all the feasts. Because if you keep one of the laws, then you are bound to keep all of them. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Those are the teachings of Jesus and of Paul and Peter and the apostles, etc. So um, we don't teach people to ever give out of fear. We teach and train and equip people the way Jesus did. We give because we love. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Why do you give? God so loved that he... What? Love is your compulsion. You give because you love. You give time. You give yourself. You give attitudes. Everybody, uh, we don't catch attitudes we have. Like even when you go to a meeting and the preacher gets up, you've never met him before. If you don't watch yourself, you'll begin to judge that person and have an attitude and not even be aware of it. Demanding that they say it the way you're used to or what you're accustomed to or what your theology is or what's your mode of ministry, or what's your model of ministry, or what's your culture. Those things are not the guidelines to true ministry or to true natural, practical things in life. I'm saying that because many people operate in the gifts of the Spirit and do it being led by the Spirit, but refuse to stay true to the manual that describes how God wants things done. What's the manual? Somebody tell me the manual for prophecy. It's the Bible. And we throw the Bible out and just move in the spirit. And the next thing you know, we're doing really weird stuff that we say Holy Spirit told us to do, but they violate not only the letter of the word, but the principles and the person and the motive, which is love. How many believe love is the underlying motivation of everything, of who and what we are? Because we're made in the image and likeness of our Father. And God is, God is, come on students, God is. We're a training center. I'm not trying to pastor you. I'm a drill sergeant. Tin hut! We're going to train warriors. We're going to train people that really go after God with all of their heart. But is that going to be striving? Sometimes. Why? Because you will sometimes be lazy and undisciplined. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? See, if we're really going to find the truth in God, we have to find both sides of everything that is in a true revelation. We should, how many love the goodness of God? Do you know what the Bible says about that? It says, knowing both the goodness or kindness of the Lord. What's the next phrase? And is what? Severity. Severity. How many of you know God, there's a severe side to God? Oh, not anymore. There was in the Old Testament, but when Jesus hung on the cross, God got saved. God got saved. 
No, God's never changed. What he has done is provided not just forgiveness and covering of sin like the Old Testament blood. They covered their sins from year to year, and every year they'd cover them again, and they kept pushing them forward. What were they pushing them forward to? The cross. And at the cross, the final blood sacrifice didn't cover sin. And I'm going to say this, grace doesn't cover sin. You will find it in the scripture. Grace doesn't cover sin. Grace annihilates it and removes it. It gives you the enablement and the power and the divine influence on your heart and the unmerited favor from God is what's given to you for all of that to completely overcome. How many overcomers do we have here today? Got any overcomers? Um, we here at Eagle's Nest push things to the limit. We do it on purpose because right now there is so much compromise and tolerance. How many, how many of you have noticed that political correctness is now in the church? Do you know it's in the major move of God? Can I give you some political correctness? Anybody want to hear about so? How's this? Oh, I don't say that it's negative. I don't believe that way. No, that's scripture I leave out. That's negative. And God's not negative. God's positive. I'm not going to say, do you believe in that? Because you would be embarrassed. Because God's neither. How many of you know God's not negative or positive? Those are human terms to describe things that we and it depends on who the person is that will describe something as negative. To some people, it's very positive to believe in gay marriage or same-sex bathrooms. That's very positive to them. But it's not positive according to the word and according to the heart of God who is love. It's not positive according to Jesus. But there's a political correctness in the church that says you can't say certain things. There's a political correctness on the, in the church on one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. How many of you like it when somebody starts teaching you and just kind of messing you up and tipping over the apple cart and, and kind of toying with your, your theology and you're kind of locked in a certain way and suddenly, that's not the way I was taught. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many have a tendency to... Judge things by the way you've been taught and what culture you're in and what group you're with. That's called denominationalism. It's also called religion. Uh-oh. We're in trouble now. Okay, here's a word. Here's a word that has really taken a bad rap. The word discipline. Does God discipline you? Oh, no, no, that was under the Old Testament. Then why is there so much about it in the New Testament? Why did the apostles teach it? Why did Jesus teach it? Oh, yeah, but that was Jesus when he was on the earth. He was, that was before he went to the cross, and that was pre-cross. He was teaching all that under the law. Jesus did everything he did by faith, and faith wasn't substance in the Old Testament in the same way it is in the New Testament because Christ wasn't living in people. Now Christ, the faith, how many of you know you live by the faith of the Son of God? What measure of faith do you have, Son of God? We have Son of God faith inside of us because Jesus stands up in us. 
But they didn't have Jesus living in them. They had the law of Moses. The Holy Spirit came on prophets, priests, kings, sometimes judges. But nobody else, except in a sovereign case or two or three. But now we have God inside of us. In the Old Testament, prophets were a rarity. In the New Testament, prophets were a rarity until the 80s. I was involved in the birthing of the prophetic movement in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, I was involved with all of the famous prophets right now that are famous, but back then in the 70s and 80s, nobody knew who they was and believed they were all wackos. They weren't famous, and they were persecuted and rejected and thrown out of churches for giving people good words, for edifying them, building them up, for having words of knowledge about them, discerning of spirits, speaking future, bringing direction and guidance with what they already have in their spirit and know. But they didn't lean on that. They leaned up here because they were taught a certain way and what was in their mind was what they followed and not what was in their spirit. In your spirit and, and, and of your spirit is a whole new spiritual being. You are a spiritual being. Uh, you know what? I'm right here. Thank you. Thank you for the water, brother. That was really kind. Would you come back up here, please? Would you come back up here? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Who wants a water? Does anybody want to drink a water? There's a water. There's water. Could you go give them water, those raising their hands? Would you go give them water? Go ahead. It's okay. Go, go give everybody the water that wants a water. Thank you. That was very kind of you. Water's not just for the front row. Water's for everybody. Why did I do that? Because water and the Spirit's the same thing. There are traditions that get established and we don't even realize they're there. And they separate the, the people of God and the ministers. When in reality, every one of you are called to move into the prophetic dimensions of God. And you have to uh, uh, open your heart to some things that you've been taught. Now, I'm going to say a really controversial statement here. Can you imagine me being controversial? True prophets are supposed to constantly keep people from falling into religion. Prophets are revealers of of spiritual things. They're gifted in spiritual things. Their three main gifts is the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Everybody say discerning of spirits. What kind of spirits? Angelic spirits? Human spirits? God's spirit? Demon spirits. Basically those four. We're to know all about those and that realm. Because that realm that's invisible to us created everything we see. And it also created the laws wherewith we should operate by. How many of you know you're still under the law? I'm trying to be controversial. That will make you really listen to what I'm going to say. 
It's a teaching tool. Here's what I'm saying. How many believe that uh, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ? You believe in that? No condemnation to those who are in Christ. For the law of the spirit of life has made you free from the law of sin and death. We must learn to identify two different kinds of laws. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is different than the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death was established through Moses and God gave him in detail, down to the minutest detail, he gave him the practice of the keeping of the perfect law of the Lord. Absolute perfection. It couldn't be perfected through the blood of bulls and goats. All it could do was be a foreshadow or a promissory note of a coming event when there would be a blood sacrifice that would end all other blood sacrifices. Aren't you glad you're a part of that blood? And we are. Because of that, we're, we are in a whole new set of laws. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, please hear this. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Thou shalt not lie. Uh, on and on, the thou shalt nots. We believe God did away with those things. He didn't do away with them. He fulfilled them. Jesus came and did all of that in perfection, didn't, didn't he? Did Jesus keep the law? No, he didn't. He violated the law and went out and ate on the Sabbath and went. He wasn't violating the law. He was violating the traditions of man that were placed on the law in Judaism. How do I know that? Because I'm Jewish. I really am. I'm Jewish. I understand how it works. I understand the whole entire... One of the reasons I'm so confrontive is because Jewish people are really confrontive. They are lovers of the truth. And if they, are, if they, if they don't love Jesus, Yeshua, and love the whole word of God and not just the Torah, they have a tendency to lean towards being confrontive with the law and demanding things and controlling and manipulating. They will bring that into being so they can dominate. Not just Jewish, but Gentiles. We all will do it unless we understand the law of the spirit of life. The law of the spirit of life can only operate spiritually. We are trying to seek God and ask him, Lord, please change my finances. God, please change my wife. God, please change presidents. Oh God, Donald's going to do it. Give us Donald. Oh God, Hillary, she's the right one. Give us Hillary. I don't know where you're at if you're for Hillary. I, I'd like to have a, a little talk with you and <laughs> ask you why. Well, why would I be for any of them? You don't have to be. You could just, maybe the Lord would tell you not to vote. Could God do that? Could he? Yeah, he can, you guys. But we say, oh, no, no, good Christian's going to do their duty. They're going to go. Wait a minute. You know the Lord can tell about 50 million heathens not to vote at all? And when they count Hillary's votes, there's hardly any there. And you know, if God tells them not to vote, he has ways. 
we have ways of making you obey. <laughs> he can do that. He's God. But he leaves things up to us. Where am I going with all of this? Here's where I'm going. We must learn to operate in the spirit. And we can't do it if we have religious traditions, cultures. Culture. You can create a culture and live by a culture and leave Jesus completely out of it. A Christian culture. If Jesus isn't what this is all about, we're among all men most miserable. We have to bring this thing back to Jesus. Does anybody want to bring everything back to Jesus? When you were born again, who saved you? Answer? When you were baptized in the Spirit, who baptized you in the Spirit? Jesus. Do you know Jesus is the baptizer? Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised that he would baptize us. And the prophets promised that Jesus would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. Everybody say fire. See, I love to confront things because I myself get confronted by God a lot. I get confronted, you get confronted. Why? Prophets are confronters. They do it in love. They do it in desire. True ones. They will do it in desire for your absolute best for his purpose. Do you know Christianity right now is very all about me? My inheritance, my gifts, my anointing. See, this is called confrontation. I'm not confronting you. I'm confronting deceptions and lies and hindrances. How many want more power in your life? How many believe in miracles? How many of you have them? How many believe in soul winning? How many are you winning? How many believe in casting out demons? How many are you casting out? How many believe in restoration? How many believe he never fails? Are all of your prayers answered? Are there things that you're wondering, God, when are you going to show up? Could I say that everyone in this room has at times said, I don't know, man, I don't know if I can go on. Most people have said this, Lord, I maybe don't want to slip my throat, but I sure wish I could go home. I'm tired of this world. <laughs> we have battles in life. We're weak, we're frail. God has answers for those things. But they require something of us. How many believe you're saved by grace? How many believe you live by grace? What is grace? Do you know what grace really is? Do you know that Jesus is the author of grace? Do you know John 1 tells us what grace is? It says Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is full of grace. You know what else it says he's full of? Truth. If you take the truth out, you won't have the grace. You'll have humanism. If you take God's goodness, his kindness, and don't understand God is also has severity, you will not understand goodness in the right way. And you'll extend goodness and you will extend goodness and kindness when you should extend 
the turning of your back and shunning someone. Oh, God would never shun, but he teaches us to do that in the New Testament. Do we really follow the Bible? Or do we just have pet parts of the Bible? Do we have an emphasis we've been trained under and we believe that's the whole truth? Because as God's advancing the church, he's emphasizing more and more truth. But the absolute truth of today will become the enemy of the move of God tomorrow. It always has. When the Pentecostals came on uh, at Azusa Street, the whole church world hated them and fought against them. Those people suffered. Our heroes of faith, and we can name them all and see pictures on the walls of them. We have no idea what they went through to birth that into the earth and how they were despised. Some of them were put to death. They were tortured. Monies was kept from them. Their children were not allowed to send to school. They took beatings. Seymour was so persecuted it was unreal. The black brother Seymour at Azusa Street, he was persecuted hot and heavy. He was so full of God and walking in such the fire of the Holy Spirit, it didn't bother him at all. He just said, hi, glory and tribulation, bring it on. Would anybody like to have that kind of anointing? That's what Paul said. Paul said, I glory in tribulation. Oh, I praise him for my weakness and for all of my sufferings, for in my weakness, he comes through mighty and does what I can't do. And it's so great and mighty that the whole world is hearing about it. Could it be there's a part of the gospel in the more that we want? Everybody here want more? Everybody here want more? How many are pretty good with what you've got and you think you've, you know, maybe I've got all the truth. You know, we actually close our hearts to things that's new, but we ask God to come and do a new thing in our life. And then he brings it. We go, oh, that's not the way it looks. It don't sound right. That's not God. Can you tell what this message is about? Prophets, true prophets, real prophets, are not afraid to speak the absolute truth, but always in love. See, the love of God had been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We have lots of love in us. But we pray, God, please, I've just run out of love. I need more love. Anybody ever prayed that way besides me? But you have ample love because your heart is full of it. It says so in Romans 5, 5, and the word cannot lie. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Abroad. Everybody say abroad. abroad. Where is abroad? If the word went out and went abroad over America, where would it mean? It went everywhere. Your heart, every part of your heart is a container and is saturated with the love of God by the power of the Holy Spirit within us but we get traditional ideas that we don't have love. We get fleshly ideas that we don't have love. What part of it is of you that it doesn't have love? What's well, the parts of your self-life that wants to continue to have its way? Therefore, that love that is in your heart ready to distribute it into that area 
is not allowed to. It's not allowed to. Well, can we all take a deep breath here? I've just gone left, right, left, right, left, right with you. Confronting things, traditions of men, doctrines of demons that make the word of God to none effect. Jesus said that that would always cause what your truth is to turn into religion if you think you've arrived in it. What I'm doing and what I'm commissioned to do is to speak to people and tell them you want more. Are you ready for the path? I know a lot of people that are saying, I want more of God. I'm not doing anything till I get it. <laughs> that doesn't cost you anything. How many believe the love of God is the greatest love there is? It was displayed on the cross. A perfect man died for imperfect humanity. He gave himself willingly. He died willingly when he could have called angels. He could have just went with one of his bleeding hands. He could have just went, and they'd all smoked. He had the ability to do that. He willingly chose death. And he was so pure and holy that death couldn't kill him. He said, no man takes my life. I give it up willingly. Or no, he said, I lay it down willingly, and I pick it up again. He was hanging there on the cross with all the blood, completely flowing out of him, beaten. He could have hung there for the next thousand years and never died. Death couldn't take him. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. Somebody that never sins will never die. Is that true? Sure it is. He had no wage coming. He never sinned. Therefore, sin could not kill him. Death couldn't kill him. He had to say, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And he gave up his spirit, the ghost. And it departed from him at his command. He had control over death, even at the point of whether or not it took him. He willingly did that. That kind of love is dumbfounding. I've had several brushes with death and terminal diseases and things like that, accidents and things that should have killed me. And the doctor said I would die and all that. And I didn't, as you can tell. <laughs> and with every one of them, I got miracles. And every single time it happened, I've come back stronger. And he has done that. I have not done that. Every single time. I have a birthday in three days. What's today, the 15th? 16th, yeah, in three days, I have a birthday. And I've been given another year. And I, I'm, I'm going to be halfway to my goal. Not quite halfway, but almost. 
My goal is to live till Jesus comes. My goal is not to die at all. My goal is if I'm going to, I want it to be about 140, 160 years. With quality life. Not with weakness, sickness, disease. But with the renewing of your youth as the eagle. How many heard about the, 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 the Chevrolet that I got? How many, you've heard about it? I have a 1955 Chevrolet. It's bored. It's, it's beautiful. Custom paint. I have the whole nine yards. Racing wheels on it. 55. It's beautiful. In, new interior in it. Everything is really awesome. It's at the mechanic shop right now. 1955, I was a boy, and I was tempted. I won't say what age, because I, I'm telling everybody I'm 39, and I'm not, that's as far as I'm going. Actually, 39 is about the healthiest age you can be at, I think. I, I really, and, and you can get healthier and healthier, healthier if you're 39. Do you know why? Because Jesus bore 39 stripes for all sickness, disease, and for the overcoming of the last enemy death. Come on, do I hear an amen? So I'm going to stay 39 and let those stripes completely do their work and claim the completeness of it and, and, and be really radical and believe for life and immortality through Jesus Christ and that he really can renew your youth as the eagle. And so he gives me a 55 Chevy. I start smoking at a certain age. And the first time I took a drag on that cigarette, when I was young, with some other boys, I felt something. I took it, and they t- showed me how to do it. Because the first one I took, I coughed <laughs> and all that stuff. Should have told, everybody should realize if something makes you cough like that, you probably should not inhale. <laughs> How do I quit smoking pot? I want to be free, but I can't get free. How do I quit? Don't inhale. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. It's okay. You do blah, 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 blah. Okay. I'm not going to smoke it. You know, I did enough of that back in the day. I know what it does to people. I know what drugs and alcohol. I know the suffering and pain the lifestyle produces. I know the shame and the guilt of sin. I remember it. I want to forget it, but sometimes I say, oh, I can't forget the pit you drug me from and the rock from which I was hewn out of. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I am so grateful. I am so grateful to him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So I took a puff off a cigarette. They told, said, no, 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 what you're going to do is, what you want to do is you want to take a little bit of smoke in your mouth and inhale it, not a big bunch. And so I did it, and something happened inside of me. I got lightheaded, and then I went, 
And something entered me. And suddenly I felt, I put my little shoulders back and I went, and I cussed. That's good. I like this. I feel good. And a demon entered into me. Listen. A demon entered into me. And from that day in my life, until decades later, when I was 27, I battled with demons of addiction. And it took me on a path the same as all of you probably know of and remember. The path of sin and of death and of sorrow and sickness and causing misery and suffering, of lying and cheating, telling lies and hiding things and being afraid to be real and open and a lifestyle of inner guilt and shame and having to fake it and learning how to put on images and masks and pretend. And it's so consuming me that when I finally turned to the Lord and he took a certain grace off me that I thought I was invincible and suddenly the fear of death came and I knew was convinced that I was going to die and go to hell any minute. I had to have help. Something was awful wrong with me. I was lost forever, and I couldn't even be saved. And then love broke through. <laughs> Keith Green's song, Until Love Broke Through. It, 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 how many of you have heard that song, Keith Green, Love? Go look up Keith Green and just put in there, Until Love Broke Through. Isn't that the name of that song? Yeah. Oh, you got to listen to it, you guys. It'll change your life. Keith Green was so far ahead of the body of Christ, and he was a major prophet. And he was a psalmist, and he was amazing. Love broke through. Are you hearing me? Love broke through. Love broke through. There was a prophet on the stage playing a guitar, looking at me and with tears in his eyes. There was another guy there with a trumpet, and the trumpet... And he, I was at this concert, and the pr trumpet started talking to me, and it started prophesying to me. Literally, words came out of it in beautiful music and talked to me and called me, come home, come home, come to the Father's house, come home. And that prophet next to him weeping, his name was Larry Randolph. looking at me. He said, you're the meanest, ugliest. You, you, God, you scared me. I thought, what is this guy? Mafia or what? I was hard. Oh, Jesus. Another guy there was singing. And he could croon. And man, I, I, and, and I, it just blew my mind. And then another guy. They, all of them became world-renowned known. The main singer was Russ Taff. Any of you remember Russ Taff? You don't remember him. He was the Dove Award, the greatest psalmist in the, in the 70s, 80s, and even into the early 90s uh, in Christian music. And he, he was the cutting edge guy. Had a group and sang with the Imperials and all kinds of stuff. Anyhow, and they were doing this, singing this worship. And I'm standing in back. I came in the door and stayed next to the wall. 
and just watched them. And this hit me. And I was set free that day. That guy on the trumpet came right straight to me. And he said, God's talking to you. And I said, through your trumpet. <laughs> and he said, it's time for you to come to the Father. Are you a Christian? And I said, well, I'm a prodigal. He said, let me pray with you. And I said, no. He said, why? He said, you believe? And I said, yeah, I believe. Why not? And I said, because I promised my mother that if I ever came back to the father's house, I would go to her house and pray with her. And he said, where does she live? And I said, she lives in Hot Springs. And he said, wow, you better get going. Don't waste any time. Go now. And I did. And mom and dad took me over to an old prophet's house. His name was James Bates. He was a Pentecostal holiness, hell or fire and brimstone preacher. Had power with demons. Oh my God, was he amazing. Grace, grace, grace. But holiness, fear of the Lord. Hated sin. Loved righteousness. And we went to his house. And I'd known him since I, most of my life. I knew he was a man of God. And they took me, can we go over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, whenever he, we talked about it, whenever you came to us, we would take you there. He's waiting, they called him, come. He laid hands on me, I hit the floor. Rolled on the floor and screamed and wailed and cried and had visions of everyone that I had destroyed their lives. Had visions of Jesus nailed on the cross. Had visions of Father weeping and loving me. It was really funny. He was sitting in a chair with his legs out like this and his arms were down like this. And he was in that chair and, he, and, and kind of comfortable looking but leaned over toward me and he was looking at me. Tears running down his cheeks. And I don't know what God looks like but this God, this father that I saw, he had pure white hair pure white clothes. It was white light. Glory, the glory. Glory light. And his face was light. And I could see eyes and tears and features slightly through the light. No man can see God and live. If you see God, you'll die. And I died that day. I really did. And I wailed and was delivered from every kind of demon, all the stuff I described of what that lifestyle's like. I lived in all of that stuff. And I was an addict. I don't mean a user, I was an addict. A heavy addict. I was a dealer, all that stuff. I got up off that floor completely delivered. Please hear me. That was 42 years ago. And I've never gone back. And I was so addicted. And I knew that I couldn't be saved. I was, so, I was so filthy. And he put power in my life. Six months later, I tarried for the Holy Ghost. It took six months to get it. I didn't know any better. I was raised Pentecostal. You've got to tarry. 
tarry in Jerusalem till you're endued with power from on high? So I was tarrying. That means you wait and wait and wait till it happens. Then somebody taught me, you can receive it by faith. Oh, that's not the way I was taught. I want more, but wait, that's not my teaching. No, I'm just now coming back from being a prodigal. The stuff's always there, you know. It's always there to keep you from being taught of the Lord, to keep you from advancing swiftly, to take you through the cross for quick death, to remove the things from your life that weigh you and pull you and chain you and bind you and keep you from being who you were created to be and who you really are right now inside. God's going to evangelize the church, you guys. I'm an evangelist. I'm an evangelist. I'm getting where I can't talk. The power of God's going to set people free. Deliverance is going to come. You're tolerating things that he has already destroyed through his great love. He suffered for you to not have to go through it any longer. You don't have to tolerate it. And you don't need 500 sozos or counseling or psychiatry or any of that stuff. You need the power of the cross and agreement with everything Jesus paid for. And put your faith in what he did at the cross and not what you're doing and not your keeping your conversation right and not you having to confess everything perfect and pay your tithe and go to church and do everything you're taught and be conformed to the image of the great leader you're following so that you're no longer in the image of Jesus and you live in the bondage of a culture and you're in religion and don't even realize he sets you free to be somebody like no one else. Today, he wants to deliver you. Why are you screaming? I'm Pentecostal. Well, I don't like the, that's too, that, that makes me uncomfortable. I know. You being quiet and not saying amen or nothing, and you praying like this. Oh, I want to be careful because that is so precious to Father. He's so glad for every little thing in you that reaches out to him. But he wants to set you free. He wants to so set you free from yourself. So set you free from the expectancies that have been put on you by good people that didn't even know any better. We're just advancing in the kingdom. But we put up with so many things and believe we've arrived. And then when God brings us something new, we can't do it because it doesn't look like the way man does it. hardest ones to deal with this are the most mature Christians. They have all this knowledge. Been through a lot of battles, many wars, rejections, misunderstandings, wounds, over and over and over. Remember the scripture, Jesus took it for his own, 
I was wounded in the house of my friends. Anybody know what that's about? And so we build walls. We protect ourselves. Protect ourselves. We're so afraid that a false prophet's going to come along and deceive us that when the true ones come, we don't recognize them. And many times, the ones that are preaching the most about false prophets are the ones wrestling with being a false prophet. I learned this stuff from Bob Jones, you guys. He trained me for over 30 years. He equipped me. He was one of them. Just one of them. He was the main one. I don't say it like he did because he didn't want anybody to say it like he did. He wanted them to be themselves. He believed in individuality and he believed in the thumbprint of God being placed on every human being and giving them their own thumbprint and he would never make a thumbprint like that again. He believed in that. He fought for that. His wife is here still fighting the good fight of faith. You know why it's a good fight of faith? It's a fight you win. Any winners in the house? You cannot be conquered. You may be sitting here today wondering about your walk and where you're at and thinking you don't know anything and, or you know too much or whatever. But wherever you're at, you can get free to advance today. But some people don't want to advance. They really believe they've got it. And that's called rigor mortis. <laughs> There's another word for it. It's called religion. You're looking at somebody that's been in this since I was a little boy. The tent revivals and everything. Prophets prophesied over me in my mother's womb. I've been around it my whole life. I've seen it. And now, at my coming birthday, I'll tell you how old I would be, but, but it's not really how old I am. I'm really 39. <laughs> so, but I, I said all that for this. The, for, the more I mature, the less I know. The more cautious I feel about the souls of who I'm ministering to and about their lives, the more tender. I want the tenderness of Jesus to come into me and into you and into us so that we're tender towards his words and his spirit and we're kind and we're like little children who can be taught and we're hungry to know. Don't you want that? Let's sum this up. There is a move of God that will be birthed. And we'll be a part of it right here. And this move of God is really going to mess people up. It's really going to mess people up. How, how, was anybody around when renewal came? 
How many have been in renewal? If you're, if you're in a renewal church right now, you're in renewal. Renewal is you get drunk on the spirit. How many have been in that? How many in that? Well, that's become an old movement, actually. And the wine and the wine skin is old. And always when the wine and the wine skin get old, gets old, then God renews the wine skin. And you know how he renews the wine skin? This is how they renew wine skin in Israel. They take the wine skin and they go down to the river, down to the brook Kidron. And it's where when it rained, the waters would come down through there and wash it. And then it would run for a while and they would do laundry down there. And also there was a garbage dump there that they dumped garbage. And when the rains come real strong, it washed it all away and took it all on down into the Jordan River and washed it away. Okay? And so they would go down there, and there was this flat rocks. They're still there. Flat rocks where the women would go down there, and they would wash on the rocks and put it on the rocks and tread their feet up on it to wash the really dirty clothes and stuff. They would take the wineskin down there, and they would take the wineskin, and they would punch it inside out. You ever feel like your wineskin's been punched inside out? <laughs> That's God starting the renewal process. It takes you through a shocking situation to expose what's in the inside, which is all those dregs and the things that is making that wineskin ready to crack and fall apart and leak. So punches it outside. Then it's dipped into the Kidron River and pulled out and tread on. The brook of Kidron, not a river, a brook. And it's, they tread on it to get, get, make it soft and pliable. Then they take lye from the soap they made and put lye on it, both sides, inside of it, all inside of it. Then they take it and scrub it and get it in it. Then they take some volcanic pumice from some of the volcanic rocks around the region. And they scrub it. All around, in and out. Dip it in the river, wash it out. Get it really clean. You ever felt like you had some pumice taken to you? <laughs> How many of you feel like you've been tread under feet? Anybody that's in a place right now where they're really wanting renewal and they're going to church and they're getting all of the stuff that they want and they're hearing the promises and they're excited, they love the worship, they feel the presence of God, but they go back into their own life and they have all of these struggles and turmoils and questions and minerals and, and anxieties and difficulties and it seems like their prayers don't come to pass. And when they do, they get really excited. And, a breakthrough! One prayer got answered. Wow, you got breakthrough. Yes, because that's what we're looking for. And we're excited about every good thing God does. But you find yourself in the move of God, no longer in the move of God. You're only in the move of God when you're in the corporate worship. When you're not in the corporate worship, you're being tempted, tested, tried, and having all kinds of difficulties. And you're being dipped in the Kidron River, and you're being tread upon, and lye soap has come up on you, makes your eyes burn, and scrubbed out with pumice, and now it's all clean. 
So then they would take it and wring it out. <laughs> Anybody been put through the wringer lately? Until they get all the moisture out of it. And then they lay it on the rock and let the sun bake it to draw the moisture out. And they watch it closely so it doesn't get too dry. And at a certain point, they punch it back out, back into the wineskin. Then they take oil, olive oil, and they pour it on it, little bits at a time, and they massage it in. Anybody want a massage? Anybody want to be oiled, newly oiled? The final steps of your, the renewing of your wineskin are glorious. They're comforting and consoling and the clearness. And then that wineskin is hung up in the sun to where the breeze can blow through it. It's opened up. So, so the opening's open and the air can get in there and it refreshes it, and the sun of righteousness causes the oil to go into every fiber of it. And they pull it off of where it's hanging, and it's like brand new. And they put in really good wine. Anybody want some really good wine? Anybody want some really good, strong wine? <laughs> We're at a place right now. The renewal was to prepare us. It was actually to get us drunk enough to where we'd do anything God said. It was to get us intoxicated enough and hungry enough and desirable enough for the things of God that he could take us wherever he wanted us to go. That he could turn us into anything he wants to. Much of the anxiety and the hindrances that the enemy puts you through is just what I just said. It's not, a sozo won't help you because there are spirits of darkness that have been assigned to you. And they're harassing you. Some of them have gotten little bits of stronghold on certain people's lives and they can't seem to think right and do right and it's hard for them to make decisions and they're indecisive and they're at the same time wounded in their soul. There's people like that all through this room. God wants to set you free today. He hates to expose you and have you look at the dregs inside your wineskin and to not realize that he wants to wash you clean right now. He can do a wineskin renewal. God can. He can punch it inside out. He can tread it. He can scrub it. He can, he can put it on the rock. He can tread it. He can squeeze it out. He can, as the sun, he can just put it next to his breast. <laughs> and he can do all of that in minutes or a short period of time of hour or a week long time of experiencing his touch and determining you're going to get it all and instead of going back to business as usual you give yourself to pursue the Lord and say Lord complete the work this is the kind of stuff right here 
that makes people uncomfortable. At the same time, it gives them hope. Because you're hearing about answers for difficulties you're walking through. I mean, if you're questioning whether or not you believe in God, is it really even real? What about all this religion? My parents and the elders and it's so demanding and perfection and the culture of my life. If you're at that place right now, you are so ready for God to come and deliver you from the power of man and deliver you from demon spirits tormenting you in your weakness. How many love it when God doesn't torment, but he comes in comforts and controls? This right now, he wants to set people free from the things I've mentioned. If you want to be set free right now from the things that have been binding you and ask the Lord to come into your life right now, if you want to get set free and continue in these meetings tonight as well as tomorrow, and you're going to be here for this conference, and you will take and focus and turn everything in you towards really getting what you came here for, which is change and breakthrough. Who wants change and breakthrough? Who wants Jesus to be? Uh, you want your first love back. Anybody wants your first love? Anybody want to be free from those lies that keep tripping you? Those strongholds that keep binding you? Those mental things that keep you from being able to be conscious and thoughtful of Jesus? Do you want that? If you want that, stand on your feet right now. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up and let him do a work. If you don't want to, that's fine. Because sometimes people say, you know, I hear what he's saying, but I'm just not, it's just not me. I'm not getting it. That's okay. You can sit down. That's fine. Because there's a time for everything. In the name of Jesus, he is so going to set you free. He is so going to call you into the place that he's anointed you for. He is so going to release the prophetic oil that's in your life and in your lips and give you the ability to speak and decree and declare and do glorious things and to do something with the artistic abilities that you have that will glorify God and make you productive just like the best of the best because that's what you are. He is so ready to set you free from things that bind you that have to do with the traditions of men the fear of what others will think. Right now, he's delivering you. Right now, he hears your heart cry. Right now, if there's something in you that says, God, that's me, please help me right now. And then we're going to pray. I want you to do something that is really courageous. I want you to pray, or I'm asking you, would you pray with me right now? When I start praying for you, would you cry out to God and say, God, you saw all the things that was being touched today, and I believe you're going to set me free. Set me free from them right now. I receive my deliverance because I'm going to address for a mass deliverance from oppression. You're not demon-possessed. I'm not saying it's demons running all around inside of you. 
But they know how to affect us from the spirit realm, our thinking, our feelings. We're going to cut that off. We're going to cast them out. We're going to break their power. Do I hear an amen? amen? All it's going to take for you is you to confess it to the Lord. You don't have to confess it to somebody else. Just confess it to the Lord. Say, Lord, while he was preaching, I saw this in my life. I saw that. And just confess it. Lord, you see what it is. You know, I'm letting go of it all right now. I'm denouncing those spirits of darkness. And I'm denouncing that hindrance right now. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to start praying. Will you talk to God? Will you lift up your voice? Or even if you whisper, he will hear you. Father God, I lift up each person right now. I ask for the power of the shed blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon each person here. I ask for a deliverance to come to break the chains and to break the bondage and set free the captives, to open the blind eyes, to liberate them from their prisons in Jesus' name. I say, Father God, by the word of your grace, that you are setting them free. I address the powers of darkness, every evil spirit. You have no power over them any longer. I remit their sins. I remit the sins of perversion. I remit the sins of, of lying, of cheating. I remit the sins of pretending and of putting on masks. Lord, I remit the sins of exaggeration and I remit the lies in relationships of so-called love that is destructive. I remit their sin, Lord, of being dependent on someone else, codependent. I remit them right now from the sin of the fear of what others think. I remit them of the care, Father God, of feeling like they have to be popular so they act one way, but at home they're another. I break that off of them. I break those lies off of them. I break that hypocrisy off of them. They are your children, each one here. I am your child. We are your children, Father God. And we right now denounce darkness and we send it to flight. We break the power of witchcraft. We break the power of a Ouija board. We break the power of tolerance. We break the power and lies of homosexuality and sexual perversion and fornication. We break the powers of thievery and lying and cheating and robbing God. We break those powers off now in the name of Jesus. And we command every demon liar of condemnation and guilt and shame to go in the name of Jesus. We command you to loose them and let them go. And we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit now to so infuse them, each one here, in Jesus' name. Because my son, my daughter, I'm coming upon you with a whole new flow. I'm about to break through in you. I'm bringing it even this very day. At this very moment, I'm stirring you. And I'm stirring you in the teaching ability and in all the abilities of the pastoral and the desire and business and things that have to do with details. I'm moving on your life to clarify and strengthen you. I'm moving you into a whole new place of grace for the race. I'm bringing your family into glorious things. I'm healing and delivering every single one. I'm calling them back. I'm breaking the spirit of divorce against you. I'm breaking the spirits 
of torment and torture. I'm causing you to rise up. You are my mighty healing army. You're my deliverers. You're my ones of favor and grace and glory. And the Spirit of the Lord says, I'm moving in you like you've never known before. And you're going to be so excited. The joy of the Lord is going to be your strength from this moment on. You're going to experience great peace and joy and cleansing because I'm washing you in the blood of the Lamb and my words are life. They will not fail you. They will not forsake you. They will not leave you. You are my chosen one, my precious one, my daughter, my son. You are my man, my woman, my grandmother, my grandchild. You are mine, says the Lord, and I've washed you. I hold nothing against you. You are not a sinner. You're a saint and a glorious one. You will walk on water. You will heal the sick and raise the dead. You will be given souls. I will cause you to prosper. I will heal every sickness and disease. If you but come after me, or even now, as you are doing, I will set you free. I will set you free. Freedom. 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 Does anybody believe something's happening to you right now? Anybody believe it? Oh, you're raising your hands. Anybody want to shout about it? You don't have to, but you can. You might as well get excited. Might as well get excited. Religion broken over you. Religion is broken over you. Religion is broken over you. Oh, the fear of not belonging. The fear of not measuring up. We break that off of you. We break it all off in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Thank you, Father. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Mm, sister, the the relationship that you are so yearning for, but that you've given up, that you've been willing to walk away. The Lord is so pleased that you're willing to take him above everyone else and everything else. There's amazing things in store for you right now. It's a whole new day. God's putting his hand on you. He's directing you and guiding you in a way you've never been before. Mm -hmm. Many changes are about to take place. Good changes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We activate every gift, every calling, every anointing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Deep intercession, weeping, prayers and groanings from God. Bless this precious sister. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you wait on the Lord, 
and not feel like you have to be rushed into anything. But if you'll wait and get still deep inside and let the Lord cause things to unfold, you'll find yourself right in the middle of his perfect will. You do not have to strive. You do not have to fear. You do not have to be moved even by excitement. Rest. Rest. Learn to do it now, at this time. You're alone. You're single. You love people. People love you. You're exciting and you're excited. But let him have rest in you. He's seeking a place of rest. And in that, you're going to know and hear. And it won't be anything you have to do. It'll be something he can do. Let him really be your Lord. Let God be God. And he will arise and your enemies will be scattered. Rest. He's giving you peace. Thank you, Father. Peace. 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 Thank you, Father. There's a really powerful anointing on you. There's a lot of authority on you. The authority is to destroy evil, and you're jealous for people's hearts, and you have real insights into broken-hearted people, and insights into the healing of the broken-hearted and setting captives free. You understand the spirit of counsel and might. And you had to because of what you went through and what was lost in your family, the tragedies. Many loss, many losses. Well, the Lord wants me to tell you none of them were lost, but they all shall be gained. For I take things and place them in another place and increase them and rejoin you back to them. Watch and see. The eternal perspective I'm bringing you into is that things are about eternity and not just about the good life. Because the good life is measured one way, but my life is measured another. And he says, I've called you to the cross, and I've called you to the speaking and the fulfillment. You have great faith. You have great knowledge and understanding about his kindness and his goodness. It is the prevailing measure, and without it, people are hopeless. But you've also been through the dealings of God. And you don't like doctrines that make the dealings of God seem like God's a bad God and a mean God. And he's got to fix you a bad, hard way because you won't come the easy way. And the Lord says, I've taught you some things and now I'm bringing you to a new place. And I'm bringing you to a new grace. And I'm also recommissioning you. And I'm reestablishing you. And I'm going to cause you to step out of one crowd and into many. I'm causing you to move amongst others. I'm bringing you into a new place. Even in this region, and where you live, and the places where you're sent from and going to. The hand of the Lord is going to come in you in a brand new way. And he's also going to restore and heal that uh, situation. Daughters, oh, precious, precious. He's healing the brokenhearted. And everything that was taken, everything that was divided, 
everything that was spent the wrong way. <laughs> I'm turning all of it into the good. You have hope for that. But no, listen, my daughter, starting today, things will begin to fall into place. The time is fulfilled. You've come for the word of the Lord. You've come for the deep things. But you've really come because you want to see Jesus. You want to see the Son of God. I'm revealing myself to you in a brand new way. You're going to teach. You're going to minister. Oh, you already have. Positioned many times. The Lord says, this is a new thing I'm going to do. And also, he's getting ready to really activate the prophetic calling on your life. Not just as an, you're an intercessor, but you're deep in intimacy. And you're joyful in the pursuit of the king. And the Lord says that the prophet's ministry of the anointing of Deborah has been given to you and it's been held back. I'm going to bring it forth in spite of what others think. As I do in any prophet, I have to cause them to follow me even before other prophets. And I'm going to do a work in your life starting today. And you're going to see things change and new things open up. And you're going to know it's me because I'm going to go before you. He says, I'm going to go before you like a champion on a horse. And I'm going to make the way with my sword. And they will be moved out of the way. And I will put you in the place you've cried out for. You've waited and been faithful. And also, you've had to fight the bitterness of many things that have tried to squeeze you and the hardness of the heart. And you've said, oh God, and you've cried out, and you know what it means, and everyone's tested with it. You have prevailed, and he is pleased with you. And now the sweetness of fresh grapes that burst in your mouth will come out of you when you speak the word of the Lord to others, says the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Father. Yes. Thank you, Father. Let's praise God with her. Thank you, Father. I want to let you go eat, but uh, there's a strong prophetic anointing. Can, can we go ahead and wait a minute if you want to sit down? And, and it's just be a couple more minutes. Just a couple more minutes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I saw visions while I was prophesying her, and I was prophesying the things I was seeing, and I was declaring it as if it's Nobby, but it was a mixture between Nobby prophet and seer. And um, I'm saying that because I always instruct and, and clarify for the sake of people seeing it operate and model, but they also get an explanation. And you have that same anointing on you. Um, and a Nobby means somebody that they don't necessarily have a vision, but they say, the Lord blesses you and he loves you. They just open their mouth and start blessing somebody and prophesying, and then the word of the Lord comes in their mouth. And, they, and a real Nabi prophet, the things they say will always come to pass, and they will create with the word of the Lord. The creative word of the Lord comes out of their mouth. And they'll call things into being as if they've already happened and prophesy when they haven't. But after they speak it, They'll start happening. They'll start happening. Uh, there's many things in the prophetic ministry we need to train. There's conditions to prophecy. Prophecy is really an amazing thing. Prophets, even prophets, 
cannot carry an arrogant infallibility of always being right and you have to do what I say or else you're missing God. The kind of arrogant infallibility is, is really needing to be tempered with true faith and the true faith that makes things come into being because the Lord said it and not because the prophet said it. Very few prophets are at the highest levels that see in the highest levels of the seer anointing and also in the delivery of the word of the Lord. There's not that many real prophets to the nations kind of people around. I've had people ask me, what is your calling? And I tell them, well, do you hear God? Go ask God. Let him tell you. Your greatest calling is to be in the bride and birthing sons of God. Do I hear an amen? amen? What about daughters? Well, that's the bride. All men are daughters and all women are sons. How many men here know that you're the bride? Well, that's the daughter I'm talking about. We're all called to be the bride, and we're all called to be sons. If I have to be a bride, every woman here has to be a son. Okay. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord, this little precious daughter right here, I talked to you for a minute. You really have an amazing calling on your life. And, and I was looking at you, and the Lord spoke to me and said that you, uh, if you'll go study about Mary of Bethany. How many have heard that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute? How many have heard that? Anybody? You can't find one scripture in the verse that says Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Not one. Not one. She had seven demons cast out of her. Yeah. So what's the problem? How many do you think he cast out of you when he saved you? <laughs> so the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, for he's called you to be a Mary. The Lord is jealous for you. You have a massive, huge calling. The Lord is going to give you a benevolent anointing like you've never known. You weep over the poor and the lost. The, the uneducated, the people that don't have their own ability. You love the downtrodden and the downcast, but you're an excellent person and sophisticated, very, very intelligent with high grades. You come from really good, strong families and people that know how to handle money and know how to handle and steward authority in their life. You come from good blood and wonderful things. And you know of the Lord, and you have Christian roots in your family. And you have things in your family that go clear back to the ancient ones in your nation. In rulership. You're highly sophisticated in your makeup. But you're also very full of love. You're tender. The Lord is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And do a work in you like you have never seen. You're going to shock all the people you know because your tender eyes and your gentle face and your features are going to, when the Spirit comes on you, you're going to turn into a Joan of Arc. You're going to put on armor and ride a horse for God. 
You're going to be a warrior, and the things that you say will come to pass because of deep intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Father. You've had in your life times when you wondered if you weren't supposed to even do missionary work or to give your life totally. These things are all true, aren't they? Yeah. And, and you've had these times in your life where you've wondered how you're supposed to spend your time with Jesus and how you're supposed to go with him and finish your education and get the degrees that you're working on right now. She didn't tell me any of this. I see it all. I see it all by the Spirit. And the Lord says, you are my Mary. You are my Mary. I'm jealous for you. You wash my feet with your tears. You love me, and I love you, and you're my friend. Come. I have things for you to give yourself to. You've said, I would even lay down my life for you, Jesus. I would even be a martyr, and he heard you. The hand of the Lord is upon you for great grace and great glory. You're never going to be the same after this meeting. Your heart is going to be so desirable to enter into something. And you weep over the students, and you weep over the campus, and you weep over the lost that are there, and their lives are so confused and they don't know what to believe. And sometimes it pulls at your heartstrings. And you love the homosexual, and you love the lesbian, and you, you love those that are crazy and do things different and think, and that are even atheists. You love everybody. God created you to love them right into the kingdom of God. But there's going to come a power and a boldness in you to speak the truth and fearlessness. Can I put my hand on you? I'm supposed to impart to you boldness as a lion. Bold, come right here, honey. Come right here and stand here if you can. Boldness as a lion. Thank you, Father. You're chosen and called and elect. You're one of God's chosen ones. Power of God's on you. You're never going to be the same. God, you're going to make her bold as a lion. God says you're called to be one of the Elijah army and to fear not. The voice of one crying in the wilderness and preparing the way of the Lord. He is so pleased with you. So pleased. You told me your name, but I forgot it. What was it? Hannah. Hannah, that's right. How could I forget that? My daughter's name, my granddaughter's name. I have several granddaughters named Hannah, Brianna, about seven of them, all Annas. That's it, that's it. Ooh, you're his songbird. You're his songbird. You know how to worship him in song. Thank you, Father. Fire. God says, fire. The breath of God. The power of God. The power of God. Okay, David. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Hannah. Hannah, Hannah, Hannah.
I couldn't, she told me her name and I couldn't remember it because it's a really dear name to me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord knows you. He so loves you. All of this confrontation and stuff. It's so hard to have to deliver this stuff. I really don't. I, I, I would love to just be really nice. Just say really nice stuff. I know how to do that. When it's on me, I do it. But I wish it was all the time because it's so much funner and easier. But he doesn't see any stain in you. He doesn't see any stain. He sees the lamb. He sees the blood. He sees not just your future on earth, but who you will be a hundred million years from now and following him through the creations unfolding with him. The whole shift is coming in the gospel to where we begin to look at things in eternity from eternal perspectives, not just our temporary lives. Oh, sister, I hear you shared with me that you're, yeah, you looking around, that you're in a transition. And the Lord wants to take you into some really incredible training and right now you can't get it anywhere except in time with him but that is not going to last very long it's real close a whole new shift whole new shift um, I'm praying that God and I'm going to stop right here I'm praying that God will really affect and bring forth what I know that's in Bonnie that she wants to deliver. Sometimes we can't bring. We see and experience and know, and there's things God can do through us, and we can't bring it, but we want to. Would anybody pray with me that she is going to bring forth and be able to deliver and demonstrate everything that God brought here, here to release? How many with me will ask if God maybe won't even take her a little further than what she knows? How many ask for God to cause her to leave here on fire and strengthened and not used up or wore out? How many will agree with me for her to have a really, really good offering? Can I hear a big hearty amen on that? We're going to do an offering right now. And we do not want to send her away with a small offering. We want to really bless her. Bob Jones gave me a word. I was reminded this morning by my wife. Gave me a word. And he said, I have sent three prophets to the Northwest. This is what he said to Larry Randolph, I, and Dave Davis. And you three have been sent to the Northwest 
to bring breakthrough and bring things into the Northwest. This is part of the Northwest. That have not happened yet and that are going to. And this is what he said. And he said, the three of you will work together. And we did for years. Then Larry moved out of this part of the country. He used to live here in this city. And, and he's back in Nashville. And Dave Davis went to heaven. I'm still here. I've, I've stayed in the Northwest except a couple of trips to Southern California. And I'm still in him. And he said some key things. And he said, every place where I send my true prophets, and I'm using my words, he said, if they're treated with favor from the people, now this is going to sound like manipulation, but it's not. It's absolute truth. And we should know that. Matthew 10 tells us the way we treat prophets when they come in and how we treat them naturally and materialistically determines whether or not we receive their anointing and keep their word. And that just means that we're faithful to obey God and do what he says and that we're faithful to our own conscience. Please be faithful to your conscience and offerings. If you'll be faithful to your conscience and really obey your conscience, you'll begin to really prosper. A lot of people give, but they're not true to their conscience. And as a result, their heart condemns them, and their faith won't work, and the seed they planted isn't hybrid. It doesn't spring up and bear the greatest of fruit. Because the Lord told them, give a hundred, and they gave two hundred for another motive. Because I want to get double. And the Lord... And then inside they say, oh, I know the Lord told me. And they go into this heart condemning them because they weren't true to God. And sometimes they give less, sometimes they give more, sometimes they don't give at all. If we're true to it, we prosper. How many of you know God is obligated to make the seed that you sow fully come into everything he wants it to be if we're true to our conscience, if we're true to the scripture, and if we're true to the impressions that God gives us and what to do about it. Sometimes he won't tell you what to do. He leaves it to your conscience. And sometimes your conscience in your spirit knows it and says, a thousand, I can't write a thousand, God. Man, that's in the account for, I'm saving that for a rainy day. It's raining. <laughs> Listen to God. Follow it. It's great blessing in hearing and obeying. So Bob gave us this word and said, every place you go, if they, if, if the way they treat you and the way they provide and bless for you and your families will be the way that I provide for them. I watched it. Every place I went and the people really gave. Sometimes they were poor, and they gave ridiculous offerings. That was so good. I'd cry. I see poor people give money, and I cry. I see a widow give money, and I cry. I go, oh, God, can I give it back? No. You rob them of what I'm going to do. That's their seed. It's going to spring up and multiply and bring much. 
Oh, that's so hard. I know, son. Remember Elijah? I told him to go to the widow, and there she would take care of him. And when she got when he got there, the widow was making the last bit of food she had. And Elijah had to tell her, make that cake for me. And she gave it to him, and when she did, what happened? It was a drought. Suddenly her mill barrel was full. Her oil never ran out until the drought broke. She had abundance. Do you believe in these things? This is a good offering. I like this. This should inspire you to check in your heart and really be true to your heart. But I don't want to hype you or manipulate you and will not do it. If you think I'm doing that, please forgive me and then don't give. This is not about money. This is about the way we treat her is going to be the way God treats us here. Bob gave me that word, and that's the way Bob lived. Do you know Bob Jones came to our ministry and preached the gospel and ministered with us more times? I can't remember how many times. Do you know the first, from, from 1986 until, 19, until the last time he came to us to minister in a conference that I'm trying to remember when that was. It was just a few years ago. Anyhow, we took offerings for him and had the offering ready for him. Do you know what he did with it every single time? He gave it back to me and my family or to the ministry or for the children or the youth. Every single time. He never took his offering. I watched that man live by so much faith that it was unreal. And the Lord just spoke to me and said, now Bonnie's going to receive the blessing of the sowing of what he did because Bonnie and Bob were married and they're one. Do I hear an amen? And so I want to do an offering for her right now. Thank you, Father. Get ready. It's a whole new day. Get ready, get ready. Stand on your feet. Stand up, stand up. Oh, lift your hands to God. The power of God's coming on you. You're going to shock the world with the things that you get. The artistic, the creative, the poetic. The Spirit of God is on you. Oh, my goodness. What incredible intelligence you have. What? It's amazing, the creativity that's in you. The technical creativity that's going to come. Inventions, great inventions that are going to generate resources for God's kingdom and for you and for your children and your family and your inheritance when you move into that part of your life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Great things is on you. I got interrupted right in the middle of, of doing an offering. Let's praise God for what's happening with him. It's a new day for you. It's a new time. Listen to the voice of God and do what he tells you. You know what? God tells us what to do and then we change our mind. We know what it is and we hear it and then we change our mind. We keep changing our mind and we wonder why it doesn't work. Don't change your mind. When you hear God, obey it. Do I hear an amen? amen. Do it. You're not going to go off course.
Stop thinking about what you want to do and do what God wants you to do. It'll be fun. You'll go for a ride. It'll be wild. It'll be crazy. It'll be fun. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. We're going to do an offering right now. I don't think there's envelopes on your chairs or anything like that. Anybody want an envelope? Who wants an envelope? Everybody should give something. Can you pull a, pull a button off your shirt? No, I'm just kidding. I've heard people say, pull a button off your shirt and give that. Do whatever God shows you to do or do what you do in your heart. Listen to your conscience. Don't disobey it. It causes you guilt. Amen. She's walking around and handing them out. I want you to be uh, again to pray right now and touch God. Man, I would just love to see. There's, I'd just love to see a blessing for Bonnie that just blew our minds. Thank you, Father. 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 I have a word for every one of you. Here it is. Pray. Obey and get out of God's way. 